All right, I'm here at the Scaling Blockchain Conference with Dominic Thomas from recently launched Warbly, as well as Shaheen Counts from EOS Blocksmith. What's up, guys? Nice hey, to, how's it going, Zach? Thanks, thanks for having you guys us. on the show. We had an opportunity to be in person here. I thought uh, it'd be a unique opportunity to kind of talk about what you guys are doing within the EOS community. So we'll start with Dominic. So Dominic, t tell me a little bit about your background and what got you into EOS in the first place. Yeah, so I got into Bitcoin in like 2010 and just, you know, uh, like a lot of people ran across it in uh, Bitcoin talk forums and was really excited about the prospect of, you know, digital currency and, you know, the economic rabbit hole we all dive into. And I did some GPU mining back in the day and just kind of followed it since and then uh, got involved with our current founding team, Craig and Rob. and wanted to get into really seeing if we can make an impact in fintech and we're looking for a blockchain for our project and really thought that uh launching a you know crypto fiat bank uh would be a uh, a great opportunity in the space and so ran across eos and and fell in love at the beginning just thought it was amazing so was was eos the first chain you you decided on or did you compare a lot of other options before making a commitment to one chain yeah we looked at everything we looked at hyperledger we looked at corda ethereum of course um uh looked at stratus a little bit um but yeah we, we our cto rob did a, he took about uh, four or five weeks in, in late december early january and EOS was a clear winner. Our only concern was, you know, it uh, wasn't launched yet, but I had faith in, in Dan and the team to get launched in June, and we knew our timeline. So, yeah, we committed the, to EOS. Was the plan always to kind of make your own custom implementation of the EOSIO blockchain, or were yeah. you originally thinking possibly on the mainnet? We, we just knew with the compliance stuff that there'd be no way uh, to, to have a fully compliant financial services blockchain on a public it's just too many rules we'd have to basically impose, right? I mean, like, do all mainnet users want to go through AML KYC? I don't think so. <laughs> you know? I mean, Block One didn't even KYC their ICO, so it's, you, you can kind of make an assumption on, on the audience. And yeah. now let's go to Shaheen. Hey. So, what's your background? What brought you into EOS? And tell us a little bit about EOS Blocksmith and what you guys are doing and what you guys represent. Sure, sure. So I'm kind of a bit of a, a misfit in the blockchain space. I'm actually a physician. I'm a head and neck surgeon for ENT. And uh, people still ask me, like, are you, so you retired and now you do this? And I know I'm, I'm still practicing. I, I have to tell a story about this. Okay. So I, I knew about EOS Blocksmith because you, you guys were putting some decent blog articles out long before the mainnet launch, but I didn't really know any of you guys individually. Um, Shaheen was in one of the Telegram channels, and he said he was thinking about starting a meme contest. <laughs> so I was like, I love memes. <laughs> Let's be friends. <laughs> so so we, we we started this like private channel. It's me, you, and who are those two other guys? Uh, Elim from EOS Nation, and uh, I think Justin from our team. Yeah. So we, we have this little meme channel. We found out like we all have this love for memes, which I I don't think it's crypto specific. No. But like <laughs> when, when times get tough, a meme kind of like make, makes you smile. And the one day I was asking you questions. I don't know what it was about. I was like, did you did you tweet about it yet, or did you like launch your contest? And you were like, sorry, I was doing surgeries all day. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was a little busy. <laughs> because there's a lot of really smart people in this space. <laughs> but not, and, and even doctors, but not typically like people practicing surgery. Yep, yep. Uh, surgeries get in the way of some of my US stuff sometimes, but uh, it's kind of a fun uh, balance between the two. So what's your role within Blocksmith? Yeah, so um, I'm one of the original founders of Blocksmith. Um, you know, being uh, in the medical space, I've been in education my whole life, 13 years of post high school schooling. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it makes you really good at education. And so we wanted to um, not only promote EOS, but we wanted to kind of be one of the leading block producers as far as education goes. So we've been making a lot of uh, educational videos because EOS has some pretty interesting differences and, and complex topics as far as like, you know, network resources and how the voting structure works. DPOS is a little bit more challenging than other blockchains. And so uh, we've been doing a lot of promotional videos and uh, we helped organize a lot of conferences. We helped organize the two yeah, concerts. Yeah, let's get into that. So EOS, yeah. EOS Blocksmith was one of the uh, core sponsors of not only this conference, we're at currently the Scaling Blockchain Conference, but also a lot of the social events over the course of the weekend that people kind of congregated at before and after the hackathon. Yeah, so that we was were, really cool. We were so excited to have like all this buzz in the Bay Area, and so we were like, we gotta do stuff and, and have people hang out. I mean, a lot of the fun of these conferences is networking with people in the space as well. So it's a blast. It's been great. Honestly, getting to meet everyone in person's just been awesome. So I kind I kind of got to get to back to Warbly first. Sure. Get into. The, the sister chain thing and then uh, having your own unique set of block producers. So the regulational, not risk, but regulation and the need for KYC was kind of the main driver to have to launch your own chain. Absolutely. So w with your own chain, you, you obviously need block producers to run it. What, what criteria did you set to determine your group of block producers? You have what, 30 now? Yeah, so we have our, t our 21 active and 12 backups at this point. Uh, we're calling reserve block producers. It's a little different. Uh, their duties for our chain are basically kind of like uh, on call, you know, um, at this point. But yeah, uh, the, the the major thing was just relationships, right? Like uh, I keep I keep oh, sorry. I don't know a, where to look. <laughs> as a um, you know, a, a, as a startup chain and a sister chain, it's you know I think we were talking before this that we think this will be a common practice in the future, but it certainly wasn't ten months ago when we were uh, starting to you know build the project and build the relationships. And so a lot of the criteria was around teams that believed in what we were doing uh, that were interested in taking a little bit of a risk with us you know we're not traded on exchanges right now um, so the time and energy and effort that's gone in has had to be a, an investment of the team's resources and time but the major thing is that first of all is it a professional organization that we think is going to be around because there's business risk um, we can't have block producers just filtering in and out all the time that wouldn't look very good for us with compliance bodies um, they had to be willing to go through financial auditing they have to be willing to go through corporate AML KYC um, so those were big criteria. So I, I guess let's get back to this. So what was that process like? Going through the kind of due diligence process to, to be approved as a block producer for the Warbly chain. Like what was it like? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a definitely a different experience from the mainnet where it's kind of wild, wild west and there's tons of block producers that are not even incorporated at this point. And so, uh, you know, uh, it was a 
it, it made us have to kind of make sure that we were doing the things that we wanted to be doing the right way by the time we signed up. Did it, uh, was it relatively easy or was it a difficult process? Well, it was pretty straightforward. I mean, but just kind of going through the legal documentation and dotting the I's and crossing the T's. So what, what connected the two of you to, uh, did you approach the block producers or did you kind of have them approach you? Like, how, how did your, your initial core group get decided because I think I heard of your chain the first time when EOS New York made their official announcement. Uh, yeah. Is that... Uh, so, no, we, uh, we, I, I met, luckily I met Dom really early on. Uh, uh, Blocksmith is one of the few block producers who went out to the Consensus Conference in New York earlier in May, and we were yeah. kind of like trying to evade Those Consensus guys do great research. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole different topic there, but uh, uh, yeah, and so I, uh, the most fun part of the whole conference for me was I messaged people in the EOS space, and I was like, who's going to be in New York during yeah. the conference, and thankfully Dom uh, responded and came with Rob from his team, and we got to meet each other and talk a little bit then. Cool. So, you mentioned your kind of career, like, job, like, outside of crypto. What were you doing before crypto? I have similar background, so I ran an integrative medical clinic. Uh, it was like wow. physicians and doctors and multiple locations and I got my MBA at Hopkins uh, in the Baltimore area where I live. Um, so yeah, I just always been interested in tech and decided to sell my practice and make a career change. So are you, are you also a doctor? No. Okay. No, no, still, not still, practicing anymore. still a highly intelligent person, I'm sure. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it depends on which day of the week. I, I, I think everyone in uh, the US space is a genius because <laughs> they all agree with me on a lot of things. There you go, right. Um, so did you what were the biggest like hurdles and difficulties with launching the sister chain because it, it kind of got off to a rocky start i know um when talos first announced their their fork it was kind of like not taken well by the community and even worse was i think when wax even prior to talos announced what they were doing so whenever you guys first announced there's still that sort of negative perception not by not them not by the majority but by a, a subset of the community that they weren't sure about a sister chain because I think it just comes down to token value. People don't want to take value away from their EOS mainnet token. So, like, how did you address that, and uh, what, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I think it's it's sort of like, you know, anything new, right? There's fear around new things. Um, I feel like a lot of people forgot that the original vision that, that Dan had always put forth was that there would be sister chain. You know, EOS built to fork, right? I think the narrative's changed that. greatly. So, prior to the mainnet, I was under... The, like it may have been said before but it wasn't as noticeable that there were going to be thousands of chains yeah if you listen to, to the way brendan bloomer speaks and dan has spoken recently within the last month or two it seems like the the the, the verbiage that they use has changed and it, it sounds like it's just going to be thousands of chains and each application might have its own chain and we're seeing uh, this resource capacity getting hit because of all these dice games just eating eating it all up and we're hearing rumors of these casinos possibly spinning up their own chains just to keep up with the resources mm -hmm. so uh, I mean obviously there's potential scaling solutions Dan might have in mind but as we sit today and probably in the foreseeable future there there is a need for this and it I think it's the, the path forward so EOS Blocksmith what you guys are typically in the 30s for the BP rankings. Yeah, we're kind of in the 50s now. 50s now? So, yeah. 
That's sad. I appreciate the 30s. Uh. I, I, I think of you as about 38. It's like saying I think you're 10. Nice. But uh, yeah, so it, it, it's sucks that where there's people that add all this value to the community is blocksmith being a great example of it like you guys have been so proactive and positive during this entire weekend hackathon event where over 500 developers from the US community showed up in force and everyone I met is just as enthusiastic as me just as enthusiastic as you just as enthusiastic as you and you're adding all this value you're not you're not alone there's other block producers doing that and then we see some of them in the top 10, 5, 1, 2. And we, we don't see the same value they're giving to, to EOS and the main net. And it's kind of frustrating it's, and to me as a blog producer when you, you're doing all this stuff and putting all of this effort in and you're getting compensated a fraction of these bigger players that I mean, I hope they're doing more in maybe their local areas, but I, I just don't see it. And I don't know if it's a disconnect in communication, but is that a source of frustration for a, a block producer that does so much and doesn't get enough love? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely uh, one of those things that's frustrating at times. At times, it's really exciting when you're doing better than uh, you know you'd hope for, and at times you're just scratching your head, like what you know. There's no correlation. We're doing all this stuff, and we're not yeah. getting votes, or we didn't do it, and these guys aren't doing anything, and they're getting all these votes yeah. so I, uh, I I was talking you guys this is terrible the, the CEO of uh, EOS Canada I can't remember your first name Mark. Mark I'm sorry Mark so I was talking to Mark and I was asking him to kind of explain defuse because it sounds really useful and awesome and I was with my friend who is developing smart contracts and I wanted to see like his reaction to see if it made sense and was very useful of course it did but EOS Canada just released that. It's a great tool, but all of a sudden they went from always being in the top like five block producers. Now they're like in the high teens, and I, I don't understand it. And it's got to be frustrating. So that's where I see a lot of value with, with with what Warbly has done because they gave a new revenue stream to a block producer that is giving yeah. so much to the community, but not being compensated. Because at the end of the day, this is a business. People need. I, mean, I guess if you're a surgeon, maybe you can get by without a <laughs> block producer salary. But like, uh, uh, you, you, I'm sure you have. Uh, more technical people who are her hands-on and full-time in, in the Absolutely. weeds. So this is a business, and you have to have cash flow to, to operate a profitable business. And I think that's where these these sister side chains are all gonna really add value because it's going to give a revenue vehicle to. Uh, people like you, block producers like you, and there's dozens of them, and, and it just gives you that opportunity. Is that one of the main considerations when you wanted to do it? Yeah, yeah, definitely that was a big consideration. Um, you know, I think these are all interesting choices as far as block producer, a block producer business goes, like whether to be a producer on alternate chains. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier that a lot of the verbiage that Brendan, Brendan Bloomer and uh, Dan Larimer are using recently it kind of speaks to a, an ecosystem with multiple yeah. chains. I think that's been there all the time. If you really listen you know, for it, they were yeah. kind of I know, agree. Saying it's that, just, they've emphasized it more, I think, in the last couple months. Sometimes we forget things that were said a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and people hear things the way they want to hear them, and especially if you're thinking, okay, I own this EOS token, I want its value to be high, maybe these other chains can take away from that. I mm -hmm. think that's always been the fear. But I think the reality is that I think all of these chains are just going to help grow a healthier ecosystem, one where they're sharing tools, learning, um, you know, it's like science, right? You don't get jealous of the lab next door. You can learn, build off of their uh, infrastructure or their breakthroughs. And uh, 
and I imagine we were talking about this a little bit earlier, uh, Dom and I, where I imagine a, a system where like it's going to be easier. It took us so much work to get the mainnet launched. You know, yes. it like months and lots of work by you lots of people. You seem to spin up your chain pretty easily. Yeah, it didn't like, went smooth like in their yeah. sleep. Uh, but it, to the value prop, I mean, that's, you know, EOS Detroit's a great example of a yes, team that's... Yes, they're another one. We, you know, I've seen them everywhere, snubbed. and yeah. they're one of our, our top 21 producers because we know what they bring to the ecosystem, their enthusiasm for EOS, they're, they're tireless, they're at every event, they're always promoting the network, and that was something we definitely thought about in giving them a position was we knew that that was going to keep their team going. Yeah. It was going to give them something to look forward to. Hopefully we're going to trade um, at a reasonable price here in the near future. It'll give them some revenue. And you know we gave them some work on our portal because that's the other thing. People are not seeing like the secondary value of chains. We're creating jobs in the industry as well, right? There's there's a lot of work to be done. There's another opportunity for dApps to launch on another chain that might potentially be priced out um, in, in certain areas. Um, we have a a Warbly Network Fund, which will be another, you know, way for people to, to generate some uh, fundraising. So tell me, so I, all I, of that, I, it I'm, all I'm, adds, right? We all I, this fund is it like the, uh, similar to the what the WPS was meant to be? Exactly. Yeah, uh, I worked on that committee with Thomas Cox, and that's how I met a lot of people in EOS because I was very interested in the governance. That's a big advantage to us. Why we also chose EOS, um, and uh, yeah, it's just going to be a one percent inflation. It's going to start out as a kind of a more straightforward application process. We've got a team within the foundation that'll evaluate, but part of the decentralization process will be putting that out to the community. We think it'll be probably in the spirit of what the WPS was originally meant to be, uh, community voting, community committees, mm -hmm. deciding on the proposals, that kind of thing. So the, the governance structure though, so your block producers are, are chosen yeah. because of the process to become one. Right. If a block producer is, let's say, they're also in the 40s or 50s, but they haven't been in touch with you, if they reached out to you, is there an opportunity of like just bringing in more standbys? You pretty much like set in stone. Like how how agile is your group of block producers you currently have? Is are are you basically set, or is are they going to have some turnover over time? How do you yeah. expect that to like, turn we, out? We we expect to to have upwards of at least a hundred. You know, I've said that one of the huge strengths of EOS is you do have all of these technical teams, right, with surgeons and computer programmers and people with business backgrounds, graphic design, like investment, like it's a huge amount of talent that's attracted here that's going to bring the innovation, that's going to drive adoption, like all of these things we've been talking about in blockchain and that's what I think makes DPoS really special is you need a team to run a node for a chain like EOS. So you have all this talent. We want as much talent backing Warbly. So it's going to be about economics, but then part of the decentralization model in the future is we won't choose the block producers indefinitely. The yeah, foundation so won't be doing this long term. So currently... It was to get us started. You, roughly, do you, what's the exact number of producers you have currently? So it'll be 33. And uh, then 12 reserves, 21 active. So the 20... What's what's the compensation model like? Is it the same as the main net, or is it similar? Uh, it's a token allotment monthly, but then we have uh, something that uh, we're excited to share post-launch. We're going to get into more of the details that we're calling the usage algorithm and block producer payment. Um, and some of our other incentive alignment, some of our inflation for stake tokens. We actually have an inflation model where if you run a DAP, you're staking tokens. And when you do that right now, there's a certain amount of network resources, but as we expand the network, 
uh, if you're staking, let's say, uh, a million tokens for your DAP initially, um, you're supporting the network. You're providing value. As we start to inflate away, if you're not getting some inflation rewards, you could be losing ground for system resources, and we don't want that. You know, you're, you're running a great business on chain. We want you to, to, to keep up with the inflation of the network. So the usage algorithm is based on amount of tokens staked for what we call a useful purpose. And this so is block it, producers have to stake. No, no, no. This is the, that as the network grows, so every account that gets created stakes a certain amount of tokens, mm -hmm. right? That's part of our usage algorithm. When we get to 15% of network usage, a bonus kicks in for our block producers up to 30% okay, of network I was, I was wondering how this fit into the, okay. Yeah, so then was, they get paid more. Um, so block producers are, again, incentivized to help sign up users, help launch dApps, help bring in dApps to our business development pipeline. And we just thought that blockchains need to be used. Uh, we can't just be giving away tokens <laughs> yes. and inflating tokens. Otherwise, the value is only speculative. That's the whole point of the OS, yeah. right? Blockchains right. are meant to be used. But we're striving to create value, real value for our chain. And so we think that um, rewards should reflect that. So how does the compensation differ between a top 21 compared to your other 13? So yeah, the reserve definitely uh, block producer position has about, I, I think when you run the math, they're getting compensated about anywhere from a quarter to a third what a uh, active BP is in our system, but all active BPs get paid the same, all reserves get paid so the same. So on, on the main net, you could, between blocks, jump between 21 and 22 constantly. Whereas, is it even possible current in its current iteration for uh, a block producer to go from active to standby? No. So that, what, what are you guys? We have five-year agreements. <laughs> are you active or standby? We're active, right? All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was hoping that the answer is we kind of joke that the active ones, we kind of joke like, how bad do you have to mess up to get uh, flipped out? Of is you? it no, mostly like slot. the first 21 or your core producers and everyone else, you're like, we could use you, but we have our starting line We'll expand <laughs> the active pool eventually, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so the reserves are the next folks that will be candidates for active. That's how our, our system works for now. Again, you know, we have a commitment that in two years I can be ousted. I have a two-year contract through the foundation, at which time our absolute goal and our commitment to the community is that there will be voting for the board of directors of the foundation, which will then decide whether or not to renew my contract. If they so, want to get rid of me, I'm done. I could be off my own project oh in two man. years. I but I, I don't, I don't that. see that Hopefully happening. But that's fine. Yeah. You know, no, really, to me, I mean, you, that's You would blockchain. have had to have done something really wrong, though. Like, Probably, honestly, right? Like, why would anyone do if that? If the project's around <laughs> for two years, I'd assume I've done my job yeah, if it lasts that think, long. But, I think yeah. so. So you, you mentioned you want people to build dApps. Are they the same type of dApps that are on the mainnet, or is it a different type of dApp? I think it's definitely fintech oriented. That's our niche. That's our focus. You know, we are not out there, for example, nobody on the team that, that I'm aware of, and I know I haven't, we haven't gone soliciting dApps that have uh, put themselves, you know, publicly as launching on mainnet. We've had some of those applications approach us to, in addition, launch on Wordly, because mm -hmm. it makes sense, but um, we're certainly 
uh, very much not in a competitive environment with mainnet at all. It's cooperative. We see ourselves as, I think it was Sharif from EOS Dublin, right? The financial district of EOS. That was always our vision. So that was Sharif that coined that term? Yeah, Sharif from EOS Dublin. We were calling Excellent ourselves branding, the Wall Sharif. Street of EOS, but yeah. <laughs> financial district sounds better. So I, I guess getting into the DAP development side. So if, if your team is, is going to start building out some sort of DAP or project, uh, if I guess it would depend on if it's a financial services DAP, but if, if you're building a general DAP as a block booster, so you're still a standby node on the mainnet, and you could go active at any time, but you're actively producing all of the time on Warbly, so that's your like consistent guaranteed income. But if you wanted to build a DAP, how would you decide which which chain? Yeah, I think it, it all depends on like the unique specifications of your DAP, right? The, the needs, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, where uh, which chain would kind of uh, which chain, if not more than one, would mm -hmm. be uh, most you know fitting to the specific needs of your DAP? Okay. Now that's exactly how we expect to see it happen. And again, people not quite understanding that. Anything that launches on mainnet's a candidate to use the financial services of Wobbly. So they, they work beautifully together. I mean, um, you know, you can go do your AML KYC at Wobbly and we're setting it up so that even that account could be an OAuth for mainnet dApps that need some version of AML KYC, but you know, the whole chain doesn't. That's the difference. So what do you both your thoughts? You might have more insight than Mir Shaheen. What what do you know about interblockchain communication and its timeline that we don't know? Uh, I know that we're working <laughs> on it. I hope, I hope yeah. you have secrets you can't share, but I hope you can share at least a no, little no. bit. No, no, we have a working group. So we have Ryan Fox, who's uh, part of the, the BitShares lead dev team. They have something called Hashlock Timed Contracts. And that's a way for um, BitShares to engage in some IBC with other chains. So we've we want to see IBC with BitShares. Are you, are you talking BIOS? I, I, no, 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 okay. no. That's a completely different project. Okay. But we want to see. We'd like to bring the BitShares Dex to Warbly. Yeah. We think there's the, the, a lot of uh, great synergies there. But then we're also working with um, some some folks in the community on IBC EOS to EOS and. We're looking to establish a relationship with Block One for everybody to work together. So I don't have any insight. You're working Block independently on IBC yes. because you're you have to work under the assumption that you have no expectation from Block One exactly. because they're not legally obligated to do anything. Right. They could wash their hands, take their money, and go. They, that that's the terms of the ICO. Right. Um, but. At the same time, we trust the team and we, we kind of yeah. hear mumblings of what's going on. They're definitely working on it. We spoke yesterday with some folks from Block One and it's it's definitely happening. I don't have any details. I really don't. Um, but we're reaching out to them to hopefully form the group of us working on it so that we'll at least um, coordinate our efforts. But I think that's a good way to look at it. It's like, you know, don't hold your breath for something that might come or may not come from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You know, a good example is Rex versus like Chintai, right? So Block One is working on a Rex proposal, but in the meantime, there's a private sector kind of, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that, it's a whole different topic. It'd be very difficult in my mind to, to be a developer and you're building something you're really passionate about within the back of your mind knowing that Dan Larimer might be competing against you very soon. <laughs> sure, and sure. It, it's, it's gotta be so disheartening to be putting your blood, sweat, and tears into this project. And then Dan, like we, we know his experience and skill set. Like you have to make the assumption it's going to be the best thing out of all the competition. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's it, probably a consideration for sure. So, any, like the the secure enclave wall, if anyone else is working on that, the IBC. But your IBC work won't necessarily go to waste. It's kind of like uh, the the Shios, uh, 21 right. protocol. Like that that's very useful. But then Bancor X launched very shortly after, and they both kind of. Uh, solve the same problem of, of cross-chain transactions between Ethereum and EOS, mm -hmm. but I don't think Shios re regrets building it because that that kind of th they got on them. They're also here and great people. Uh, they kind of that's how they kind of got my attention. I had heard of them, but I didn't know that much. I, I don't know if it's lack of buzz or just lack of where I was reading. But the the Shios twenty one or the EOS twenty one Shios built the EOS twenty one protocol. It, it, kind of got my attention the most actually from the meme contest. Someone made a really cool meme. Oh, yeah, the Cybercode <laughs> twins made a really cool the, meme the, about the, it. Uh, Rick and Morty with their yeah. jumping through the portal. That was actually the inspiration of our Halloween episode where Rob jumped through a portal just as a stage <laughs> spaceman and said, thanks to the EOS 21 protocol by Shias. Nice. So th I don't think they regret doing it though. Yeah. I see it like uh, Shaheen mentioned earlier, um, you know, research, right? It's not like because you do an oncology study for cancer around um, you know the effect of a certain drug right there's there's peer review there's people who will duplicate that study they might do it a little differently right and there's always that incremental learning and so even if we were to build an IBC solution and then block one were to come out with this just killer version it, we're gonna be you know um, publishing whatever we're working on as we work on it it's gonna be an open source protocol that we're building so I'm sure they'll be looking at it and hopefully they'd, they'd be forthcoming with some of the stuff they're working on and, and but everybody will benefit yeah you know, at another, the end sorry, of the day. another quick example of the same thing is um, the two implementations of uh, hardware wallet uh, solution for EOS right there was crypto fairy mm -hmm. uh, and then there was also the alt shift dev one and you know, Crypto Fairy got accepted by Ledger, but the Alt Shift Dev one we're kind of realizing now had some features that the Crypto Fairy one didn't. Mm -hmm. And so it's just if multiple people look at a problem from different angles, you're going to come up with useful information regardless of which one ends up kind of, you know. So as, as a stakeholder, as the developer, you, you could put a lot of work in for little or no compensation. That's that's the risk. Mm -hmm. But for so that, that's an individual risk of the person who built it. And I, I don't know if it's fair or not fair, but as far as system-wide, if we think of the whole EOS IO, not just EOS ecosystem, it's all open source code. So if the Warbly chain makes something super awesome and it's so awesome that everyone agrees that it's really good and should be implemented somewhere else, with the referendum like basically being ready now, like any feature that they build on their chain, they spent all of the money building it all the mainnet has to do is vote the referendum and have the block producers put it in. I yep. have no doubt that that will start to happen. Yeah. yeah Different chains are going to share brilliant ideas with each other and adopt them. And, and that's, you mentioned BitShares, and I, I started following BIOS a, a, about a month or two ago, and I really like dug into Stan Larimer's background and some of the things he said and some of the things Dan's even said recently, and I, I just feel like we're, we're all like kind of waiting for this killer dex from block one and we don't know exactly what it's going to look like uh, and then once it once it is made it, it it's gonna have to get implemented on the main net and I'm not uh, right as of right now I'm not hundred percent confident that referendum is going with with the current voter participation let's just say I'm not sure if anything is going to be able to get passed that's not something amazing like the Rex the Rex everyone's just gonna say yes I guess at DEX people might do the same thing, but I'm afraid that these small changes are still going to be hard to implement.
But I think BIOS is going to be one of the, like, I think they're going to launch the, the first major EOSIO decks, like system contract decks. And that'll kind of prove the use case and then that'll make it much easier for like the mainnet to incorporate it. And you mentioned you guys were considering a DEX, so maybe if that technology is so good, then maybe, I don't know who would have built it, if it would have been a block one thing that they release and then BIOS would just implement it first, or if you'd kind of take pieces from all of them. But I, I think individually, you can sometimes get screwed if you put a lot of time, money, and effort into something, and then the payoff never occurs. But, but, but that's the risk in almost any business. But if you're thinking why, if you're thinking bigger in like worldwide global community, we're gonna get the best of everything in in, the, in this op open source system. So, I guess. But to uh, that individual yeah, though, right, <laughs> Dev, right? Don't they? Um, don't they? You know, they end up benefiting by that exposure usually though, right? I mean, I, I've talked to some devs that have developed certain things, and uh, you know, they they put in that work, but then. Look, if you come up with something that works like that, someone's usually hiring you after Exactly. That, right? I mean, so, it's never yeah. completely lost. It's the experience. It, it'll lead you to the next thing. Um, and I think the system's becoming a lot more cooperative. Like, again, you know, we're doing this share drop on mainnet as a value, you know, uh, give back, right? Because we're using the software. We want the mainnet holders who funded that project. That was a big reason why we always knew we would do something like that because we're like, hey, you guys funded this, you know, we're, we're the, the block producers got all that experience, it's made it easy to launch our chain. I think that's in our crypto culture. I hope we don't lose that. Hope we don't lose that part too, the sharing of We talked about that before credit and give back, you know. How I'm still uncertain of like how do you maintain value in the main net and I, we we kind of agreed on that where if a sister chain launches and you want to distribute your tokens you don't have to airdrop all of them. You can no. still even do it like a, a hybrid. You could mm -hmm. raise capital for tokens, airdrop a percentage of the tokens, and I think that's a great, great model. And, and I think everyone's incentives are aligned because with the main net, all of these users are getting essentially something for nothing. Yep. And I, I don't know how someone can complain about that. Right. Like, what would you get like if we didn't do if it? If the token value goes to zero because it's <laughs> as bad as you may have thought. Okay, what did you really lose? Yeah, I mean, you it was probably, probably didn't buy any off anyway. of exchange if you didn't really like it. Yeah. So I guess I have a few. I don't know if they're difficult questions or not. So you're 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 producing for multiple chains. Yeah. And as whether you're a Bitcoin miner, Ethereum miner, or a block producer on EOS, you're you're constantly needing cash. So you got to pay your employees in cash typically. So you got to liquidate tokens. So you're you're producing for all of these different chains. How do you? Uh, manage your finances of which tokens to liquidate at what times and uh, because Warbly's brand new do you see more upside than than EOS because it's already I mean in this market it, it's hard to because we know what the potential is of what it was but we don't know if that's going to come back anytime soon yeah so how do you like manage your risk with all of these tokens you might be able to, to constantly acquire because you're doing work for maybe 10 chains at one point yeah it's a good question and I think every block producer has to kind of answer that question individually about how they want to do things and it depends on their resources and kind of uh, their expenses as well so 
At Blocksmith, we actually haven't spent any of our EOS tokens yet. You're a smart man. So. I have a feeling, I, I have a feeling, not financial so, advice, yeah, right. that they're, they're, they may go up yeah, eventually. Yeah, yeah. I don't know when, no yeah. timelines. It's a little bit of kind of like, you know, a gamble, but yeah, that's kind of how we're playing things right now, and uh, and we're probably going to do the same thing with Portly. So, so you, you guys are in a good position. I think the best block producers are ones that either have they're either launched with their own finances because they just had money as a team or they received private capital because it'd be very difficult to be in a position in this market where you're just constantly liquidating your assets and you have really nothing left and then when the market goes up and everyone who was able to store all their acorns they're all going to be in a very good position yeah, financially yeah, yeah. you'll be able to build all kinds of tools hire new staff do all the things that everyone wanted to do at domain that launch and then they had to pull back on this i know uh, like kevin from eos new york he said they were going to hire a compliance officer and that all of these plans but then the market kind of went down, went down, they held off, held off, held off, and then after a while it's just like, we're just gonna put, put the shelf this on the side for now. Mm -hmm. And they're able, I, I, they're in a financial position also where they're able to like kind of maintain their EOS tokens. Yeah, it's hard, it's a hard game, and even for us, we're independently funded, and, and for all the you know independently funded block, block producers, it's a squeeze at, at a lot of times. We've definitely been paring down on expenses and trying to produce the most value with the little, the most, you know, smallest cost to us so that we mm -hmm. can add value and still maintain what we're doing without breaking the bank. Say. So how do you feel about that? So you have to understand the economics of everything and your block producers aren't, is, is there um, an agreement of any sorts where your producers are agreeing to limit the amount of chains that they could run? No, no, not at all. I, I you know, it's someone who's who's running a business and has run businesses. You know, economies of scale uh, reduce everyone's costs long term. And if you look at block producers working for multiple chains, that only helps every chain. The more work they have, again, like we're talking about, let's say. Wordly gets a bump. We get a big announcement, right? And and when we're trading on exchanges at some point, the token goes up and the block producers go, hey, you know, let's cash in a little bit, but maybe EOS is down during that time. They can hold mm -hmm. or or whatever. Maybe they're on five chains and they can do they can engage in what's called treasury I, management. I think it's that gonna be a very everyone. active role. I, I think if, if if there does turn out to be thousands of chains, and I don't know how long that's going to take. I think we could see dozens within the next year, easily. Oh, probably. So that's almost a job in and of itself, is to manage all of these tokens. Have you guys mm -hmm. kind of like thought about that and like kind of been forward thinking, or is it just, we'll wait till that happens? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's a more, uh, we've been kind of trying to stay afloat of different things we're trying to do right now, and that's a kind of good problem to have maybe in the future. Um, but I, I would agree with Dom's comment about the economies of scale. I think like, the amount of effort that it took to be a part of launching the mainnet and learning how to run our nodes and how to run them well and learning the, 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 how they crash and why they crash and, and all these little things, it's infinitely easier to to, uh, to get up and running on work. So what, what, about, what about infrastructure? So you had established infrastructure for the mainnet. Did you have to make any alterations or changes to launch Warbly? Yeah, I mean, so uh, every block producer kind of decides if they're going to run bare metal or cloud services. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're just adding on uh, responsibilities on another chain, you have kind of the same the same considerations, but the economies of scale uh, come into play. We have rack space at a data center, and it's easy to add, you know, another server in and spin up some new servers, or even cloud servers if you want to. So, this is highly unlikely. I apologize. You, you, I'll get in a second. So, <laughs> hypothetically, 
you're a top 21 producer for Warbly, and those are kind of like locked in. They're not going to rotate at any point out of the 21. What happens if Huobi decides to put all their tokens to US Blocksmith, and all of a sudden you're in the top 21 on the main net? You have a, a limited, or I don't know how limited, but you have a, 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 a specific amount of bandwidth on your infrastructure. Are, are, are you basically anticipating the, the risk of that? Would that kind of throw off your node if you're actively producing there and you're, you've been a standby on the main net, so you can, and you can kind of assume that this is like a long shot to just jump from, I guess, 50 to 21. But if that were to happen, would that throw off your resources? Yeah, it's a good question, and it's one that we definitely have blocksmith. And we deliberated a long time for actually weeks and multiple meeting sessions about whether to, uh, you know, produce on Warbly, and uh, and we looked at Telos a little bit too as well, mm -hmm. and ultimately decided at this point it's not for us. So I, I think the risk is actually more on the Warbly side, because so EOS New York has never left the top 21. So their infrastructure is set; they know what they need on the mainnet, and they have this set aside for Warbly. Everything's good. Where, where I could see a potential issue is you have one of those tweener uh, nodes on the main net where sometimes they're in the top 21, but then they drop to like 30 and hang out there for like two months, and then all of a sudden they just randomly pop, pop back up. Uh, what's, what are your thoughts on the risk of, of that slowing down your chain? Well, I don't, I mean, they're, they're both well, have hopefully dedicated they're, hopefully, infrastructure. Hopefully they're prepared, right? Right, and they have dedicated infrastructure for both chains, so I'm not sure how that, you know, so, if you're producing... So you don't share it, so the same, in, you have a... No, yeah, separate infrastructure. So then, so I, really I guess that thing. kind of... Yeah. I mean, so the that, one thing, from that consideration, like, you know, uh, as, a, as a block producer, if you're producing, even from standby too, you're always on call, kind of yeah. like position, right? You're on call, and so if you're producing on two chains, like if you're in the top 20 of a two chain mm -hmm. thing, Technically, you're on call at more than one place at one time. But as a physician, I can be on call at multiple hospitals at the same time. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's extremely rare that there's a fire in two places at the same time, kind of thing. And that's the only time where it would be a consideration. I, I could see a little business risk. Uh, the, the 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 issue there just being for the block producer, not as much a major problem for us. But like, if you're used to being I in think the top it would show twenty-one, and if you have the emperor top wasn't wearing clothes, essentially, if you're just like. Oh, I can get by. I, right. I'll put all my infrastructures to support Warbly because I've never been in the top 21. I could just skirt around and no one will ever test my, my infrastructure. And then all of a sudden it gets tested. Yeah, yeah. Then you see the Emperor was never wearing clothes. Well, they're wearing clothes on Warbly, not on the main. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think if you're, if you're a responsible block producer, and I think a lot of uh, us are, then you are like doing what we're doing, which is we have redundancy on both sides, mm -hmm. right? So if our main producer goes down on Warbly, then our backup kicks in right away. Mm -hmm. They're two separate infrastructures, so we can handle multiple emergencies Different at the same loads. time. Exactly. All right, so we're about up on our time. Cool. Is there anything else you guys wanted to mention that you're doing or you have upcoming that you want to tell everyone about? Yeah, just that I uh, hope everybody from the ES community is going to claim their share drop on the 21st. The portal will be live. We're testing right now. Everything's looking great. And we're inviting everybody to come over and open an account and get those coins. And, and we want you over there. And, and just to look out for, we've got applications launching through the end of the year, insurance platform, uh, utility token trading platform. And uh, we're just excited to uh, So we're, to get, get we're, we're all going to get these Warbly tokens. And we're excited to use them. What utility will they have beyond the exchange? Well, I know they'll have a utility. But when could we expect them to have a utility outside of exchanges? 
we hope to get some voting around the Werbly Network Fund within three to six months following launch. I don't have great timelines. We just put our governance kind of think tank together uh, with Todor and a lot of other standing people from EOS community that are working on that. But by the end of the year, I'd like to have some voting around our Werbly Network Fund at so least. The voting will be before DAPS? Or, no, I think uh, there'll be so the DAPS, DAPS before be voting. Okay. Yeah, I think there'll be DAPS first, most likely. Are you able to give a number of projects you're in contact with that are 100% ready to build? An exact number, 100% ready to build. I, I mean, around <laughs> I know the, there's 30, roundabout number. Okay. It could be a ballpark. All there's 37, 37 apps that are in our business development pipeline, so that's, that's a good in number. process. It's pretty good. And good I would say that definite launches are around seven right now. All right. Yeah, time, about seven. Timeline six months, less than six months. Seven within six months, for sure. All right, sounds good. How about you guys? Yeah, so um, right now we're working really closely with EOS Ignite, um, who um, has been has put on an online conference. It was a 24-hour conference. I told him, I saw him last night. I, I told him, I, I love that app. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's super useful. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's very great. interactive. It stores the videos, organizes them very well. It's, it's a it's great way to connect people all over the world that are interested in the same thing, right? As opposed to having them in the same spot. So he's doing, uh, we're, we're doing round two of the EOS Ignite conference in December. So we're getting that ready. We're also doing weekly um, weekly study groups on governance, one on Thursdays, one on Tuesdays on tokenomics and DAX. And so, how could someone join one of those? Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Uh, just go to the EOS Ignite website and you can find the links to join the Crowdcast and All join right. those. Anything else going on? Uh, When's the meme content? Is it coming? Is it coming back? It's gonna come back for sure, for sure. And and it might come back. You're so good at this meme. I, I could just help. Uh, you. I could be a judge. So I, I I even felt dirty <laughs> taking taking your ten EOS. We might. I told I told the team. I, I, I will be willing to judge. So I have to beat Zach's meme contest. Ooh, we could do, so because So basically, I, I don't want to commit to having to do one all the time. <laughs> like, it, it, the feeling's got to be right. Yeah, But like, enough, that'd be, enough. maybe on a specific week, we could just determine a week or two weeks, yeah. where it's like, I'll just, if I'll have to wait until I have a really good one that I haven't like posted publicly, and I'll share it with you privately, okay. and be like, let's do the beat Zach week. Let's do it. And you can have like a grand prize, it could be 20 years. Ooh, we could both put our money where our mouth is. All right, you're on. And then if, we'll, we'll it, from what I understand, ref, the referendum system contract, according to uh, Josh Kaufman, he Canada, he said, this voting tallying tool could be used for anything. It doesn't have to be a, a proposal to the Constitution. Why don't we think about doing that? We'll, we'll, we'll make a use case, put this on chain to, it'll be like kind of like a hot or not, but voting on a meme versus someone else's meme. I like it. Let's we'll do, do it. it. That sounds good. All right. Anything else, guys? No, thank you so much. Thanks for having us. All right, we're this good. Was fun. Thanks for ha um, thanks for joining me, guys. Hopefully, uh, we'll see each other in person again soon.